So just, just saying. My wife and I have enjoyed uh, worshiping here at uh, Solid Rock when we're up here with the children. I think we started coming up here seven, seven, eight years ago, but we only got to come for one week, so we were only here for one weekend. We popped in that one weekend out of the other 52. And then the, since 2011, we've been able to stay two, three, and more weekends, depending on how long the kids let us stay with them. Sometimes they, it's time. You know, they do say that at times. But uh, we've been able to be here like three, four Sundays now. So we're grateful for that. And um, we've enjoyed it. We've been blessed by Pastor Don's uh, preaching. And uh, to be very honest, I feel a very kindred spirit with him. It's just uh, a sweetness of Jesus that is so prevalent in his life. And, and um, it's a good thing. Um, you have to be proud of your son, Sean. You know, um, we, we've seen his maturing over these past seven years, and wasn't that a great, how many of you were here Father's Day? Okay, wasn't that a great Father's Day sermon? What a tribute to a godly father, too. So I thought that was really good stuff and enjoyed that. I appreciate this church's influence on my grandsons uh, through the youth program and uh, also through the internship program. Eli, uh, Zach, and Nathan are uh, my grandsons. They've all three received the baptism in the Holy Spirit and speak with tongues. Is there any other way? I don't think so. I'm a little traditional. You'll find out in a few moments. But, uh, but anyway, uh, two of them have sensed a, and vocalized to me that they feel a calling from God. And they're, they're trying to find that direction in your life, their life. And so that's, a, that's just a beautiful thing. And we're grateful for the church, their influence in um, doing this. Now, if we could just work on their parents a little bit, we'll be in great shape. Oh. You just don't know their parents like I know their parents. That's all. I'm sorry. They're really great people. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Once again, thank you for this opportunity this morning. I enjoy the 4th of July, as you can see. I'm still celebrating. I have uh, red, white, and blue and flags on my tie. I'm kind of a patriot, I guess you would say that. I believe in this great nation that God has set up. And I'm proud to be an American. I'm grateful for the people that serve. We were founded as a nation in uh, 1776, which was 230 years ago that we became a nation. I'm grateful for several things. I'm grateful, first of all, that we have religious freedom and we still possess religious freedom. There's a lot of doubts of how long that's going to go on. But I think with God's people, we can go on a long time with religious freedom in this nation. So keep the faith. Second, secondly, the thing I like about the 4th of July is uh, it's a great time to get with friends and grill. And uh, we were happy to be with uh, Bill and Karina on the 4th and we grilled. Oh, do they grill? Great stuff. Great stuff. And so I always look for any kind of time to celebrate. You know, I, I celebrate uh, Cinco de Mayo, anything going on down in our area, you know. I'm with it, just so we can get out and grill, you know. So we keep up with it. The other thing I like is the fireworks. Um, the fireworks I like the best are firecrackers, which obviously are illegal, but that's my favorite explosive. M80s are great for fishing. But, uh, but anyway, but you have to go down into Mexico to get them, but it's okay. Um, then, <laughs> favorite thing about the 4th of July, I will get to the favorite, if I can remember what that was. Uh, 1960, in Benton, Illinois, I was 17 years old, 
And uh, I was at an Assembly of God youth camp, and I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So that's when the real fireworks began in my heart and in my life. And that's what I'm wanting to speak about, is this fireworks this morning. I've got to see if I can see your clock so I keep on track here. But uh, that's what we want to talk about. I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit at that uh, youth camp and the initial evidence and continuing evidence of speaking in tongue. Uh, it's a powerful experience. And this has obviously been the most powerful and uh, obviously exciting experience in my life. And it says, he will baptize you with the fire, the Holy Spirit with fire. I believe we have a text up. Yeah, we do have a text up there, fireworks. And he says this, Matthew 3.11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 19, and you'll understand why I picked out this particular scripture as well, because I feel sometimes the Pentecostal church of today, uh, not so much as in church services, but as individuals in our private lives, do not allow that flow of the Holy Spirit that God really has for us. And so it says, quench not the Spirit. In other words, beware of your actions not to quench the Spirit of God. So I'm going to speak into some areas of this um, this morning, if I might. Father, grateful that you're in the house this morning. We ask you, Lord, to touch us by your power. Minister to every need that exists in this house. And Lord Jesus, touch us. May we take something home. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Fire is one of the symbols of the Holy Spirit. And fire, you know, always gets attention and creates excitement. Uh, fire will give light. Fire will give warmth. It'll give comfort. Um, I remember being out in wilderness area hunting at times. And boy, when dark falls, one of the greatest things to have is some kind of a fire. Because uh, those beasts that live out there that like to consume humans <laughs> aren't so bad. They don't like to come around the fire. Yeah. So it actually is protection. You know, so fire has a lot, of, a lot of different things about its safety, so to, so to speak. Well, fire takes action, and it also uh, takes action to create, and it also uh, takes action to control. And thinking about fire, isn't that much like the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives? It gives illumination. It gives the warmth and the comfort. There's the protection of God, and uh, we have to take and create the fire by staying in his presence, living in his presence, walking in his presence. And uh, so all this kind of fits together, this fire thing. Um, also, it says, when you have that fire of God, which we need, and this is not just for preachers. It says, but his word was in my heart like a burning fire, shut up in my bones, and I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. And when you're fired up in the Holy Spirit, you're going to be talking and sharing Jesus Christ. Most important thing, I, I think the most powerful thing of the church today is for a church to have a, individuals in the church, the personalities in the church, to have influence outside of the church. Yes. Know that whenever you leave these doors, you're going on the mission field that God has set for you. And you want to be prayed up, you want to be ready to take and meet the uh, challenges of that. Um, receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit was the beginning of a radical transformation of my personality um, uh, radical change had taken place in my heart. 
And uh, in my life and spirit at the age of nine, because that's when my grandmother led me to the Lord and I had the experience of salvation in Jesus Christ. But that same Holy Spirit that indwelled when I was saved uh, at the age of uh, 17 became my baptizer. And it witnessed to my heart at that first episode of salvation that he was indwelling, that Jesus was real and I'd been accepted as a child of God. But now it was empowering me me to witness through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It probably is easy to see that I'm rather shy, naive, socially awkward, country boy who just simply got empowered by the Holy Spirit. And that's what God wants to do to all of us. I want to talk about your personalities for a minute. God does not want to clone your personalities. He wants you to be who you are, you know. This is Billy Graham when he preaches, right? I'm, I'm not Billy Graham. Uh, it, it would hurt my arm to carry my Bible or book around all the time. God wants you to be who you are in your personality. He created some of you shy for a reason. You reach people that other people can't reach. You're more approachable to people that uh, are a little skittish about somebody that's a little outgoing. You know, sometimes, sometimes these outgoing people say, whoa, stay away from them. They're crazy. No telling what they might do or say. Is that right? Okay. God wants to use your personality. But I want to talk this morning about how the Holy Spirit wants to have influence on that personality in so many different ways and wants to really create a powerhouse for God. I think that that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to create this within you, to be able to use your personality for the kingdom of God. Now, um, the empowering and the transforming, the challenge and the inspiring work of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, this past year, I understood these things, but this past year, there was enlightenment as to what was really going on. My life had been, and my personality had been really tweaked, but I didn't realize that, how it occurred and how it fits scripturally until just this last year. So there's hope for all of you to continue to learn about the things of God. See, I'm, I'm 71. I'll be 72 this year. So there's still time for the rest of you to keep learning. This, this walk, this journey in the Lord Jesus Christ is a continuous growth throughout your life. You don't ever peek out. Oh, yeah, I've arrived here, man. I'm okay. Uh, boy, you get okay, and, you, and then God says, well, wait, 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 wait. Got another level. I'm taking you somewhere else. I'm taking you into a place where you can even be used greater than you have ever been used before in your life. And so that potentiality that we have is something else. I would hope that you all sense that we are living in the days before the soon return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, and I think that's very important. I think any believer that seeks the Lord fervently knows the times that they're living in. And it's not a secret or a private revelation. It's evident from reading the word of God to know and understand the times that you're in. It's important to know those times and understand them. Now, our knowledge, is not, our knowledge is not what God wants us to major in, though. In other words, I think in probably by 2016, Jesus is going to be here, and Israel's going to blah, blah, blah. I don't think he really cares about it. And I'm go- I've got a scripture that I'm going to share with you that I think actually proves that. What God is really, really, really concerned about is us fulfilling the great commission and bringing souls under the kingdom of God in these last moments. Amen. 
That's where he wants us to be sharp in how to allow his spirit to move and be in us in such a powerful way that we do great things and exploits for the kingdom of God. So, reading from Acts, if you want to turn to Acts 1, actually, I have it up top there. Yeah, here we go. All the good stuff's up top, huh? That's the same stuff I got in my notes. That's good stuff, yeah. <laughs> I, I thank Ron for doing the PowerPoint. I'm a little technically inept. I guess that's one way to say it. I, I still used to pan, hand out um, notes in church, you know. And by the way, speaking of notes, I love your idea last week of people journaling in church. I, I think I, I love people to take notes in church. I think it's important to take notes. I take notes. I have notes of all your pastor's sermons every time I've been here. Not the notes he handed out, notes that I personally have handwritten, added to, or whatever. And there's several reasons for it. God sometimes, believe it or not, God can do this. He can speak to you about things that I'm not even talking about. And they're very important in your life. They come into your mind, and you need to jot that down, take it home, and work on it. And if you've got it in your notes, you can do that. So I'm a journaler. My wife would tell you, I always carry, and usually I don't carry this little pad. I usually carry a book like this or something to take notes in. People wonder what I'm doing, whether I'm checking up on them or what. It's all for me. (laughs) I'm a little selfish when I go to church. When I go to church, I go to receive for me. Isn't that weird? Now, when I go to preach, I try to bless. But But when I go to listen... I want to be blessed, and I want the Word to touch me, and I want the Holy Spirit to speak to me and take me the directions He has for me. Well, anyway, let's begin. Acts first, uh, chapter, verse 4. And being assembled together with them, very important, He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which He said, You have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall receive the baptiz- be baptized with the Holy Spirit not days not many days from now. And what he's speaking about simply is not salvation. It's about an experience that is because you are saved to enhance your life to be a powerful witness for the kingdom of God. I was raised the first 17 years of my life and saved in another denomination that was not Pentecostal. At the age of about 16, I worked for a farmer that I, I worked for him as a tractor driver. That was a great job. 16 years old. I had a license I could even drive. But uh, drove a tractor for him. But he and his wife were just Pentecostal to the core. They were so full of love. And they didn't cram anything down your throat. They piqued your curiosity about things. And would use scriptures and say, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? And then when I would leave there the Holy Spirit would get a hold of my heart and I would think about those things. And that's how I came about seeking after the baptism of the Holy Spirit and became a Pentecostal. So anyway, what I want to bring out about this two two particular scriptures is this. It is not a suggestion or an option. Jesus said, if you want to, or if you'd like to, or sometime you can, he says, to remain here commanded them to depart from Jerusalem. Jerusalem. My grandchildren know when I have commands. It's totally different than my suggestions. Right? 
How many of you know a difference between a command and a suggestion? What's the word say here? Command. Okay, get, just get that in your heart. Let's go on to verse 6 and 7 because this is uh, where people get so spiritually excited and proud sometimes about their spiritual knowledge of the times and seasons of God. Therefore, when they came together, they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times and seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Why did he say that? Because we get so proud about our biblical knowledge sometimes. Sometimes we even get proud about our doctrines, our biblical doctrines, instead of being proud about the person of Jesus and the work he's done in our hearts and what he could do for a lost and dying world. And so he said, it's not for you to know. Uh, He said, don't be concerned because this really isn't your business. Now that doesn't mean that we shouldn't have an understanding of the times we're living in. But when it gets to be a thing of pride, And we spend more time dwelling on this than dwelling on touching that lost and dying world. We got a problem. We got a problem right there. And I think that's where it was going. Eighth verse. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be witness to to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the very end of the earth. He said, I'm empowering you to share your faith through your personality to a spiritually deprived world. So what kind of power does the Holy Spirit give? When I first received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I thought that the power of the Holy Spirit was one of those powers that you had within you to go up and kind of zap people. Ship. Any of you have that feeling when you, when you first thought about it? I don't know, maybe you didn't think like I did, but as a kid, I thought at 17, I thought it'd be great to zap somebody. But that's, that's not the power. That's not the power it's talking about. It's talking about enhancing the very unique creation that God has created. How many of you are a unique creation? Yeah, I don't see anybody out there that's not a unique creation. You look similar, but you're not alike. You know, well, now I can see you better even. (laughs) Yeah, you have eyes, ears, nose, mouth, the whole thing. You all look alike in that response. But you all are very particularly different because you're a unique creation of the Lord. And that's very important to understand that you're a unique creation. Being a unique creation from the very womb, God has, through the Holy Spirit, a desire to make that that particular creation a godly personality. Godly and empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? So that everybody that comes in contact with you sees Jesus. They sense Jesus. I can tell you story after story after story. I have a very crazy life. My, my, my daughter can tell you when she was younger, I used to take the kids to San Diego on hospital visitation and things. I had to have somebody along. I would not take all of them. I'd just take one at a time. But I had to have somebody to keep me awake or drive me home because I'd get really sleepy on the way home. But elevators, elevators are one of my favorite places of ministry. They say, Dad, why do strangers talk to you? And I didn't always know why strangers would just come up and start talking to me and tell me about their problems and their situations. Sometimes we'd have prayer right there in the elevator. And, and I understand it now. It's because the Holy Spirit wants to make your personality approachable. 
He wants to make one that will listen and see what's going on in the heart of a person that's hurting and be able to understand. And one of the craziest things happened a couple years ago. Uh, I, I don't want to get started telling you too many stories. I am a storyteller. Real stories. <laughs> These actually happen. Uh, we were in an elevator going in the hospital going up to visit uh, some friend that was in the hospital, my wife and I, mid-afternoon. And um, as we popped into the elevator, there's a young lady in there, um, I don't know, 19 or so maybe, uh, Hispanic little lady, and uh, she, she took and was guarding the buttons. You know how some people take over the buttons of the elevator? She had the buttons. And we have a small hospital, only has two floors. You know? But being she was guarding the buttons, that was a bit much for me. I'm not a control freak, but I like to play. I said... Third floor, please. <laughs> and the response kind of tore my heart out. She smiled, and she started to laugh, and then tears started rolling down her eyes. And my wife immediately, she's always taken up for me. He's, mess, he's messing. He's, he's, always, he's like that with everybody. He's always kidding with people. She said, I needed a laugh. My grandfather just died. By that time, we were on the second floor. We stepped out. She gave me a hug. She fell into my wife's arms. My wife prayed with her. What I'm wanting to tell you, I don't care how crazy your personality is, if you're in touch with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is flooding you every day and every moment, He will take your personality and its craziness and its messing and He will use it and turn it around to bring comfort, strength, and a touch of Jesus to somebody's life. You just have to learn when to stop goofing off and when to get serious with him. Sometimes that will take you into that place. And, and sometimes, you, you know, you, you just have to be aware and, and know to walk, to live in the spirit. That's the bottom line to that. So anyway, um, where were we going from there? Oh yeah, and you should receive power. So he, he wants to take and transform you by his Holy Spirit, your personality, to be aware of uh, what's going on. Um, obviously, to really live in the Spirit and to be enhanced as God would have us to be, we have to do some dying to ourselves. There's some dying to ourselves. There's some things about us um, that, that are annoying and irritating. Hmm. I guess I'm talking to the wrong people. You guys... <laughs> They are. And only the Holy Spirit can take out the annoying and the irritating. And let me tell you, that's a work that takes all your life. I've been told that by my kids. That Glad God's not through with you, Dad. <laughs> you know? That's that, that, something you have to work on. And uh, we need to start out with, to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you have to start out with the experience of salvation. You have to know Jesus as a personal Savior. You know, a lot of people go to church and think they're Christians. Now, I want to use that a step further. When you go into a garage, do you think you're a car? When you go into a hangar, do you think you're an airplane? Christianity is an experience, a relationship. And Jesus was totally relational. And that's why he wants your personality, wants to use your personality. Amen. Now, how does the Holy Spirit develop our personality? I think there's several ways we want to kind of bounce through these real quick. One is through the fruit of the Spirit. 
Um, Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Spirit are the same personality traits of Jesus. Right? Have you ever thought of it like that? Okay, let's read them. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The personality traits of Jesus. No matter how your personality is, he wants your personality to have these godly traits. And so that's why he has given us the fruit of the Spirit. How do we get the fruit of the Spirit? Living in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, reading the Word, applying the Word, being obedient to the Lord. A lot of, a lot of different ways this works. But uh, the, the other thing for you men, I, I like to talk to men, and I think it's very important, but that gentleness sometimes rubs guys wrong. You know, how can I be gentle? You know, I'm a man. Real men aren't gentle, you know. And, uh, and so let's talk to that. Gentleness, meekness is the same word. And what it means is strength under control. How many of you guys like strength under control? You know, when you shake hands with somebody, you don't break the bones in their hand. That's strength under control, right? Right. And uh, different things like that. So God wants us men. And you men, you get all excited about things. I say this sometimes. I've said it before. Forgive me if I offend anybody. But guys, when your DNA was put together, did you know you had genes from your mother as well as your father? And so all of us <laughs> have some feminine ways. Boy, it sounds bad when I say it like that, doesn't it? Boy, that just totally upsets some of you right there. But God wants that mix. And let me tell you, if you're a real man, you're going to protect women and children. That's what real men do. That's the way they're built. They're built with this testosterone, and it is that something that you're not going to let anything happen to women or children. You're going to take care of them. That's part of being a man. Being aggressive is part of being a man. It's part of our nature to be a great, being competitive is part of being a man. But it has to be, according to the fruit of the Spirit, under self-control. When it's under self-control, it's a beautiful thing because then it reflects who? Jesus, the Lord. You got it. You getting the picture now? So it's okay to be the way you are. It's okay to be rough. A lot of guys are a little on the rough side, got some rough edges. Um, It's okay. It's okay. Because God created you that way. But he also wants the Holy Spirit to work within you to make you the person that can reach anyone at any time. Reaching out. Because that's that's his heart. And then there's the gifts of the Spirit which are given to us by the Holy Spirit. And uh, they should be at work in our personality. Some of them. uh, We don't have all the gifts. Usually have some of them. And uh, it's spoken about in 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through... 11, I think it is, and then Romans 12, uh, 6 through uh, 13. I just want to mention some of the fruit of the Spirit. Wisdom, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, word of uh, faith in God. Uh, Gifts of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, discernment of spirits, different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. Gift of prophecy, gift of administration. That's over in Romans. It talks about the gift of prophecy, gift of administration, gift of service, servants. God wants servants. Uh, also teachers, uh, those who exhort, uh, those who are givers. 
they, they give and they can give abundantly and God blesses them for it. And they do it in single-mindedness. Those that rule, they rule with diligence, uh, with care. Those that show mercy. God wants those that are merciful too, to be merciful. And those that need to, that are, uh, it says in the 13th verse, be liberal to the needy saints and practice hospitality. And so um, we're, we're grateful to, to our kids. They're practicing hospitality with all of us right now. <laughs> so we're really grateful for that. Uh, the third thing that the Holy Spirit brings into your life is holiness and sanctification. 1 Peter 1, 2. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father and sanctification of the Spirit to obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Uh, 1 Peter 1, 2, reading from uh, a different version, the back to the Bible English says, Who through the purpose of God have made holy by the Spirit, disciples of Jesus, made clean by His blood, may you have grace and peace in full measure. God wants us to be people's of holiness and sanctification. Um, holiness and sanctification is rather a personal thing. It comes in three ways, actually. We're sanctified by the blood, through the salvation in Jesus Christ. We're sanctified by the word. As we read it, we meditate upon it, as we hear it taught or preached. And then there's the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit when we live in the Spirit. And I believe the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit is progressive throughout our lives. And I believe he tweaks us and adjusts and fine-tunes and brings the best quality out of our nature throughout our whole life as we yield to him. And he makes us holy people and godly people. You know, you can, you can be a person that loves God with all your heart, and there can be a glitch in your personality. You can be, without even knowing it, sometimes an angry person, have kind of an ugly spirit even though you love God. There's saints like that. And that destroys their testimony. Do you know that? Others have a language problem. They understand English, but they don't speak it. They speak this other foul language, which I don't understand. <laughs> I'm not talking about chickens when I'm talking about foul language either. <laughs> Just want you to know. I know the difference between the two. But uh, we, we, we have to let God tweak us and sanctify us and make us holy. So that we don't destroy that work that's inside our personality, the goodness that's in us. And I think that's, that's something that in maturity we have to come to recognize that those things, and, and it's hard, it's hard to see yourself. You, you might, might wonder, well, how do, how do I know? How, how can I know what's, what's going on within me? Two ways. Have a close friend that's honest with you that will be, uh, you can be accountable to and will tell you the way you really are. That's one way. That's the hardest way. Because pride makes you think, well, they don't know what they're talking about. Just because they know me. <laughs> right? The other way is to live in the, spirits and the, in the spirit and in the presence of God and spend time in his presence. And then you will sense what the Holy Spirit wants to tweak in your life. Two ways that you can know and you can continue to grow in your personality. Become a more effective for the kingdom of God. I can't imagine the incredible influence of the church if all the saints allowed the power of God to flow through them 24-7. You cannot believe what would happen. I believe, personally, few people would be saved in church. Yeah. Yeah. I, I used to get calls to go to the hospital. 
my, my friend's dying, needs Jesus, and, and they've only got a few hours to live. Could you go out there and talk to them? That person that is terminally ill and dying has to meet a brand new personality that they've never ever seen, and they're so sick they don't want to talk to anybody. And that friend is afraid to tell them about Jesus and lead them to Jesus. Something's wrong. Don't you believe that? Something's wrong. Because God put them in that place with their personality to reach that person. And they're wanting somebody else to, you know, kind of take care of it. Well, anyway, just saying. (laughs) We also have to understand we fight a constant battle. And that battle is the enemy trying to disable us and to destroy the work of God within us. And there's also the battle of dealing with our carnal nature, constantly fighting that nature that we have. But let me tell you, uh, I think it's up there, winning, winning, winning. Yeah, winners. You're the children of God, little children. You've overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. We are winners. Don't ever forget that. Because Satan constantly tells you what a failure you are. He tries to take and make you and your personality so defensive because you feel so inadequate. You're a winner in Jesus. You're right where Jesus wants you. Just allow the Holy Spirit to flow within your life. And then Galatians 5.25 says, If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, glory-seeking, provoking one another, envying one another. There are attitudes, and I'm closing with this, by the way, attitudes to living and walking in the Spirit. First of all, we have to desire the presence of God in our life. Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be completely satisfied. Um, Matthew six thirty three. But let your first care be for his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things will be given to you in addition. And uh, then also it says in the uh, modern King James, But seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. Desire his presence and power in your life. Number one, he cannot do anything unless you're desiring. If you are so caught up with this world that you're living in, but you know, how long are you going to live in this world? Can any of you tell me how long you're going to live here? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, Ron and Dawn and I went to an accident last evening. That person could have been taken out very easy. We're grateful they're still alive. They're all broken up. But um, anyway, young person, there's no guarantee on how long you're going to be here. So you better be in his presence (laughs) and desire his presence. Amen. And his power in your life. The second thing I think you need to desire is desire that working of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your life. And uh, Matthew 7, said, 7 says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be open unto you. Then you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more shall your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Does God want to fill us with his Holy Spirit? You better believe it. And we need to be spirit-filled. That is that enhancement to win souls and bring people into the kingdom. We also have to be yielded and obedient to the Lord. Romans 6.16, do, do you not know that to whom you yield yourselves as slaves for obedience, 
You are slaves to him whom you obey, whether it is for sin to death or obedience to righteousness. And um, the basic Bible English says it this way. Are you not conscious that you are servants of him to whom you give yield yourselves to his desire? If to sin, then the end being death. But if to the desire of God, the end being righteousness. Yield yourself to God. Expect God to use you. Every, when you leave church today, expect God to use you. I don't know where you're going, what you're going to do, but expect wherever you end up to be used of the Lord somehow. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, there, there was a lady that said she was going to come to church. I don't know if she's made it yet. She does work on Sundays. But she worked at Walmart, and uh, I got new glasses while I was up here because uh, I needed a new prescription. And uh, she was fitting me up. I talked to her, and she said this was her church. I said, well, when were you there last? Um, maybe a month, month and a half ago. I said, you know, don't you think maybe I ought to get back? She said, yes. Yes, I do. So I, I invited her. I said, you, you need to come. That was last Sunday, Sunday before last. I invited her to be here last Sunday, and I didn't see her here. But I'm hoping, and you people pray for her, that the lady yeah. shows up. Amen. She says, that's my church. She says, but I've been working on the weekends, and this happens in life. life. But anyway, let every opportunity, you yourself so, yield yourself so you can be used for any uh, opportunity. Next thing is flexible. Saints of God are not very flexible. The most, the most terrifying thing I can do this morning is ask everybody in this building to stand and all those in the back come and sit in the front and all those in the front go sit in the back. I've done it before. People become gray. This is my pew. This is where I always sit. You know, I, 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 I had that experience in the church where I pastored. And then after that, I could never tell who was there on Sunday because they started sitting in different places every week. And see, I was used to seeing them. And I could glance through the congregation and say, everybody's here. So-and-so is missing because that's where they normally sit. <laughs> Do you do that? Yeah. It's a pastor thing, I guess. I don't know. It's, it's, it's one of our bad habits that we pick up. But that's terrifying. But God wants you to be flexible, flexible in spirit. Uh, I love this. This is a verse that should be in the Bible but isn't. It's blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be bent out of shape. <laughs> it should be in there, but, but it's not. I, at least I haven't found it yet. <laughs> Paul said this, though. He said, to the weak, I became as the weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men. You know, Paul was a real man. He wasn't one of these wimpy guys. And he says, that by all means, some may be saved. And that's what we have to do. We have to be flexible to reach those that we come in contact with. And sometimes it takes some adjustment to your personalities to be that flexible person. Um, as I said a little earlier, most of us have a little difficulty seeing ourselves as we really are. And I was just kidding about the annoying and, and obnoxious. I didn't really mean that. But, uh, well, maybe. But <laughs> that's why we need godly friends who are transparent. will share with us. That's why we need to live in the Spirit. And it says, and do not grieve the Spirit of God by whom you are sealed until the day of redemption. Uh, we have to listen and obey. That's grieving the Spirit when we won't hear what he says, when he wants to make transformations and changes in our life. 
And uh, here's another saying. This, one, this one's not good enough to be in the scripture, though. Until the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change, you won't. You won't. And I, I think maybe that needs to be changed just a little bit. When you can find the excitement of God using your personality 24-7 in every situation and see how he will use you as you are but with the godliness that he places within us through the Holy Spirit and the holiness that he creates. When you see that happening in everyday situations, there's an excitement that comes to life that's unbelievable. You know, an excitement that, that's just almost incomprehensible. The last thing, you say, thank God, he said he was quitting. Worshipful. Psalms 42.1, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Now, this is how that we have the Holy Spirit working in our life through these uh, five things that I've just mentioned that we can do. Desire the presence of God. Desire the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Be yielded and obedient to God. Be flexible and allow God to take and make the changes and transformations that need to be in our life. And we do that as we spend time singing, praising, worshiping, waiting, meditating upon the Lord. It can be done in church, but you don't spend enough hours in church to take you through a week. This stuff has to happen at, at the house, in the car, wherever you are. These have to be just things in your life. And to sustain an insatiable desire to live and walk in the Spirit, we must maintain spiritual disciplines, which are real simple. These spiritual disciplines keep us into the presence of God. Read the Word. Read it. Meditate upon it. Listen to it. Preach. Listen to it. Taught. Hear what God is saying. Prayer with fasting. I think prayer is great. I think it says in the Word that it's with fasting from time to time. And that fasting somehow opens up the doors of our heart for the Holy Spirit to speak. Not, I'm not sure. Maybe it's because none of you are hungry at this time, are you? You're not thinking about hamburger, steak, anything like that? Oh, do I know you or do I know you? <laughs> You're thinking, yeah, I got to get out of here first, run down to, I don't know where you go here, but wherever you go. <laughs> and when we give that up, then God can actually speak to us. We're giving that up for the Lord. And these disciplines, prayer and fasting, participate with God, conversation with God, and then in prayer and in worship. And that feeds our spirit through praise and singing and waiting. And uh, we have to be still and know that uh, God is in this place. Amen. The important work of the Holy Spirit is to draw our hearts close to Jesus. It's to cause us to sense our need to be cleansed and forgiven of our sins. And I would be remiss this morning if I didn't give an opportunity for those that, that have been listening here. Some of you very possibly don't know Jesus. And Jesus is just speaking to your heart right at this moment. You may think that you're Christian because you live in Christian America. But I'm talking about relationship. You're not a Christian because you came to church. You're a Christian because he lives King Supreme in your heart and life. So as we stand together and we close our eyes and we bow our heads, just for a moment, I want to give those, stand with me, please. And uh, I want to give those a, a chance that want to, to find Christ, if there's somebody 
Just if you sense the Holy Spirit tugging at your heartstrings, say, you know, I don't understand anything that he spoke about, but I sense the presence of Jesus. See, that's the wonderful thing about the Holy Spirit. And, and I quit worrying about this years ago. I can talk about anything God wants me to talk about, and the Holy Spirit can deal with your heart about anything he wants to deal about, and it may not be what I'm talking about. And I feel that's happening this morning. There's some of you that sense a need for Jesus. If that's so, um, your pastor, every time I've been here, has given an altar call. I love it. That's the way church should be, an opportunity. It could be that you're a little shy. You might want to ask that friend, Christian friend that's nearby, to come with you, stand with you, and pray with you. That's good stuff. As the musicians play, just let's stop for a moment. And if God's tugging on your heartstrings, just respond. Just respond at this moment. Precious Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're good, Jesus. Thank you for loving each and every one of us. Thank you for bringing us into your presence this morning. We're grateful, Jesus. Thank you for reaching out to our hearts. Lord, we thank you. We praise you for that touch of the Spirit. Maybe someone that desires, they realize their hearts got a little cold and they need restoration to the Lord. They need to be returned to the Lord and rededicate their hearts to the Lord. It's time for you to respond as well. God wants to restore and fill you to the fullness with his presence. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. God is also touching saints this morning. And if you sense in your life a need to recommit, not because you're backslidden, but because you say, hey, God is wanting to take me to a new level. I, I just sense it in my spirit. God is wanting to tweak me and my personality so that I can get out of my skin as never before in my life and be the witness that he wants me to be. Maybe God's wanting to just refill you or even baptize you with the Holy Spirit this morning and you desire that. Would you come also? We'd like to pray with you. Precious Jesus. Precious Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness, your graciousness. Jesus, we're grateful for your spirit tugging at our heartstrings. Mm. Oh, hallelujah. Church, just worship a few minutes in his presence. Just worship in his presence. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Lord.